Hi everyone, this is Justine Rhodes, your host for Mentally About Us. This podcast is dedicated to breaking the boundaries surrounding the mental health conversation. The stories you'll hear on this podcast are real, raw, and relatable, and come from people from different backgrounds, because we believe mental health is global and does not discriminate. Welcome to the unfiltered side of the internet. What is up, Mother Duckers? This is Justine. Welcome to Mentally a Badass. Today, we have Ali Loins, who is the author of the poetry books, A Generation of Sunflowers and Bloom. She discovered her passion in writing poetry when she was just 14 years old and sold over 100 of copies of her book. She is only in her early 20s and has dedicated herself to help empower others who have BPD to work on healing. I am so excited for you guys to get to know Allie more on a personal level. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, girl. I'm really excited to talk about BPD, my writing, and just about me. We're going to start talking about your childhood, though, because we always like to dig deep into your childhood. That's like a thing here on Mentally a Badass. So, so of course, first question for you. So, let's, yes. let me ask you, when were you diagnosed with BPD? I was 20. So, it was... okay. Or I was no, not quite 20 yet. I was 19. It was September of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, BPD, you know, is usually developed from trauma. So yeah. I'm sure there's could have been obviously multiple events in your childhood. But let's talk about how your childhood was. Like, let's see, guys, where can we start? What would you say would contrib- had contributed to it? Like, were you bullied or... Mm-hmm. Whatever you're comfortable opening up with, we like to just yeah. kind of get you know, just know you there. Totally. So, um, my dad was a single mm-hmm. parent and raised me. My mother obviously gave birth to me. They were together for 13 months of my life. Mom and dad then split, and dad got sole decision making, not full custody, but sole decision making. I also had Nana and Grandpa. I love my Nana and my Grandpa. Takes a village to raise a child. So, mm-hmm. I was raised by Nana, Grandpa, and my dad. I went to a private Catholic school and me too. Uh, not fitting the mold really, really kicked me in the butt. If you didn't fit that mold, you mm-hmm. would be bullied. So to answer your question, in friggin' deed. I yes. was bullied grade three through to grade eight. And eight. into high school. Wow, me too. Mine started in third grade too. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is me a fun conversation. Oh, yes. Yes. So I guess going back to family, I was raised by a single father and a nana and a grandpa. I will say the reason that I am as successful as I am now, stable, have my head on my shoulders, is because of the love my grandparents gave me. Unwavering Mm -hmm. love, unconditional love. And not a lot of people have that opportunity to have that connection with their grandparents. So I'm super blessed that I grew up with them. And to this day, both of them are still, they're still here. So growing up was hard without a mom, uh, mm-hmm. not having that cookie cutter family, mm-hmm. being bullied for that, being bullied for being a little bit bigger, um, for mm-hmm. being extroverted, for having one heck of a good voice, because I, I'm a classical singer. I'm trained in opera and oh, classical nice. music. Yeah. So school was hard. School was always hard. Um, my dad did the best he could, being a single father, uh, raising a daughter, not a son, but a but a daughter mm-hmm. and uh yeah he owned his own business he owns his own business so it was very very difficult to prioritize being there for me mm-hmm. unfortunately and that's where nana and grandpa swooped in yay i'm glad 
Yeah. But I needed my dad and I wanted my mummy. Right. Nana's mummy now. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that, that would be the, the beginnings of it. Um, mm-hmm. I should add throughout my childhood, there's been many stepmothers, many women. Um, but they've never been my mom. Mm. My Nana is my mom. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like um, when was the first like stepmother? Because also, if you said there was multiple, then grade if... three. Okay, grade three. yeah. Because I feel like right when you hit grade three, like the time before that is when you develop like who your caregivers are. So yeah. it's really hard, like a, a, for like a stepmother to really feel like they're. I mean, I, it's always possible, but you already had like you had your nana, so that yes. that particular spot. Um, and your heart has been already taken. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, I don't know if you've mentioned. Um, so you said that your mom and your dad were together for about like 13 months. Well, they were together before they had me. Yes. They had me and mom was not well enough to take care of me. She was not safe to be around. Oh, so okay. Dad was she like over. abuse? Was she, if you don't mind, Men- was she abusive mental, or? Mental health issues. Mental health. And cocaine and weed. And oh, okay. So she party, had party, drugs party, party. and party, party, party. and yeah oh my goodness and then you and i, I was both a wee- i was a weed baby <laughs> <laughs> i was a weed baby <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no uh <laughs> we're both special <laughs> yeah um well i hope that i hope she's doing you know better now do you ever do you ever talk to her or or are you just completely cut ties i re-met her when i was in grade five okay. and she brought her daughter her other daughter who she had with another uh, man. Okay. And I was just very confused because mm-hmm. I had Nana as that mom role. Right. There was the stepmother who came in and I should say wicked evil stepmother. Um the worst person that I've ever encountered in my whole life. It's like a Cinderella moment. Big time. She should be in jail. Oh God. Um so I had I was wrapped around the stepmother's finger because she was mm-hmm. manipulative. Mm-hmm. It's a narcissist probably. Oh, <laughs> big time so i was wrapped around this stepmom's finger then i've got nana who's my soul mom mm-hmm. and then i have actual mom and i mm-hmm. felt very weird i just felt like this is i don't want this i don't want yeah. this i should tell you though that stepmother at the time did do everything she could to uh-huh. put her foot to the pedal so yeah. that nothing she took me with that car gone so that i would have nothing to do with my mom so she did kind of stop that connection but yeah, she wanted me to alter herself, and at that time I was vulnerable. I was like, "Yes, yes, stepmom, take me in," and she sure did. Wow. So yeah, it does seem like from what I'm hearing that your childhood was definitely um, something you definitely need to like heal from. It was a little uh, challenging. Um, when was a time that you were like, "I actually look, let, let me t- let's talk about your teenage life because." You know, you go through challenges when you're a child and you have a lot of stress and a lot of trauma was made. Usually when it goes into your teenage life, it's kind of like retaliating. Did did you retaliate in high school and do certain things that you weren't pleased of? No, I was always a good girl because of my grandparents. I am an old soul. I am a real follower. I am a good girl. I was a good girl in high school. I still am, but I'm a bit of a bad girl. We're not going to lie. But uh, (laughs) I mean, we're not live or anything, or it's just not going to be posted on all uh, podcast platforms or anything like that. No big deal. Just just a girl-to-girl conversation. Yeah. yeah. No, so I I was a good girl. Yeah. I I was a good girl. That's good. 
And it's okay if there's something she don't want to talk about. <laughs> no, of course, of course. No, no, I was, I was good. I followed the rules. I was a teacher's pet. Um, but I definitely had my internal struggles. And the reason I yeah. did so well in school was I put mm-hmm. all of my, my depression, my suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. all of it into my school. And I succeeded. He had to grade 12. That's great. I graduated well, with a 95. Well, it's not great that you struggle, but, um, yeah, yeah no, um, you know, what's interesting is that I did really bad in like grade school. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, the ADHD, even though this Catholic school said I didn't have any ADHD and it was just me just being lazy and whatever. But um, when I went to high school, I was like doing pretty good in English. Okay, so yes. maybe like, I mean, I'm diagnosed with BPD as well. Mm-hmm. Recently, my newest therapist is saying that I, she believes I have quiet BPD. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, and I have two friends that I believe are living with that. Would you yeah. say yours is quiet or no, or the or no? absolutely not? Absolutely <laughs> okay. not. No, I'm very outward with all of my emotions. None of it is internalized. I'm uh-huh. very vocal. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that makes sense with what you do with your poems and yes. such. I feel like this is so interesting because I didn't never even heard of. To be honest with you, I didn't know. I think I've seen the words "quiet BPD" on social media, yeah. but I never really like knew of it. I just thought BPD, BPD. Mm-hmm. The first I ever heard of BPD was when I was diagnosed when I was seventeen. Which brings me to ask you: When you were yeah. diagnosed, was there a particular event that happened that yeah. triggered to go? Yeah, do you mind? Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, and this is what started a generation of sunflowers. Actually, mm-hmm. so. yeah. <laughs> I had a boyfriend who I started seeing at the end mm-hmm. of grade 10, and we stayed mm-hmm. together until I was 19. So mm-hmm. it was going on four years. He proposed to me. So uh, we, I, I know, it's nuts. So to be honest, I didn't really react to that. I was like, okay. <laughs> we were, anyhow, we were engaged. It was a very okay. tight-knit relationship. As mm-hmm. you can see, family's a bit dysfunctional on my side, so I went headstrong into his family. Normal Christmases, normal Thanksgivings, normal birthdays, family suppers, playing board games, sitting on the couch, you know. It was great. Their family was my family, and he was my home, and they were my home, and they were my rock. Mm -hmm. Favorite person? We broke up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We broke up because sexual lines and boundaries were crossed. Mm -hmm. We'll say that. We dabbled in some sexual stuff with other people at the end of our relationship and lines got blurry and I crossed them. I crossed them. I did. Mm -hmm. I've forgiven myself for that, Mm -hmm. but I did. We broke up and it was Mm -hmm. mutual at the time. It was, but I spiraled. Uh, I lost myself January through to December of 2020. I don't remember. I blocked it out. Um, I I replaced my (laughs) ex. So I replaced him with actually a girl in my life and she became mm-hmm. my favorite person it was really mm-hmm. bad was it a was it a was it a best friend or was it something it, another yes yes this was a best friend who then turned okay. into my my mommy because i'm a little i use little spaces as a way to relax and step out of being big alley she was uh-huh. my mommy she was my dom she was my best friend she uh-huh. was my girlfriend behind the scenes okay yes and um everyone knows about it now but yeah Anyhow, this is the long answer to, to your question, but anyhow, I completely lost myself. She manipulated me. I felt like I was under a spell, like she was practicing Yeah, I read that in your, in your poem. And um, I loved her. I loved her so much, but I saw the behaviors were very toxic, unhealthy, as my Nana said, stalker-ish. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I broke ties from that. Mm-hmm. And she got a partner, um, a boyfriend. It's it was a very sticky situation that I was in in 2020. My okay, so I, it was pretty ex, recent. Well, yeah. Yes, ex and I broke up. Okay, I then found a rebound man who I'm still with, almost four years later. Oh, you currently with it, that person right now? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. yes, and during that that first year of our, of me and my current partner's relationship, I met this this girl, and I fell in love with her. And he gave me permission to do what I wanted, essentially. Like an open relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could say that, essentially. And Mm -hmm. everything was dandy and fine. But it got to a point where she gave me the ultimatum. And I obviously chose my current partner. And that was probably the best decision I made. I don't know where I'd be right now if I stopped with her. She was a very bad influence. But going Mm -hmm. right back to all of this, I cut ties with her in September of 2020. Remember that date. That's when I got my BPD diagnosis. September twenty twenty. Yep. Yeah. September twenty twenty. I lost. I just. I lost it all. And I. I hit rock bottom. I was smoking fourteen grams of weed a week. I was cutting through the roof. I was having promiscuous sex. It was not good. And. I looked at my my life and myself in the mirror, and I said, "I need to do something about this. This is this is not right. There is something." This is not Allie. There's something driving me to do this. This anger, this impulsivity, this self-hate, this fear of abandonment. Holy moly, this is something, there's something going on. I'm kind of like all happened at once, it sounds like. It did. It did. And that's how such a powerful piece of poetry was created. Yeah. Through this. So being 18, 19, 20, I did start doing research on why I had this intense rage that was uncalled for. It was just intense rage. Mm-hmm. The sexual promiscuity of me from a very, very young age and impulsivity. Anyhow, the spectrum goes. I found BPD doing research on Google mm-hmm. and it really clicked, it made a lot of sense reading about its backgrounds, being parented by a neglectful parent or maybe a parent with borderline themselves. And I kind of leaned into that and I brought it to the attention of a psychiatrist I was seeing in September of 2020. I said, I need help. I need help. I don't know what to do. I've lost myself. I've lost my life. I've lost my mind. I don't know what to do. And Linda, two visits in, she's like, yeah, you're living with borderline. And it wasn't an, oh, no, it was a, you're not Yeah, crazy. relieved. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Yeah. And I don't like to stick a sticker on my shirt and wear it, like mm-hmm. BPD. Mm-hmm. I am someone, with my poetry, it's very evident, too. I like everything to be finished, concluded, tied up with a nice bow, put on a box, and put on the shelf. That comes with the control, right? I like I'm a control freak. But um, that's kind of what that BPD diagnosis did for me. It put everything into perspective for me. I was able to say, oh, okay, I'm not psychotic. I'm not crazy. I have borderline. These are trauma responses because of the way I lived. Now mm-hmm. we're just going to do the best we can. We're going to give yourself grace and you know, actually, a life coach that I used to see said, you did the best with the info you had at the time. Mm-hmm. And that is what has pulled me through all of the bad things, bad things I've said, done, thought of. I had to give myself grace because I did the best with the info I had at the time. I now have that info and can live humbly and live healthily and sustainably. Mm-hmm. So that was a long answer to your question. 
No, it was a good answer though. I mean, it it, it definitely uh, makes sense. I I've I've interviewed uh, multiple different people who have BPD, mm-hmm. and everyone has a different story. I mean, but the same theme and the same that everything is really is that it's the it's the um the sh- the, the trauma childhood trauma. Yep. It's the same answer. Mm-hmm. Um, just different types. Like I um, should add, I should mm-hmm. add in. There definitely is sexual abuse in this. From oh, I think from that the first one, the first person, the one that you no, my mother, my mother when I was a baby. Oh and well, yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. So that first stepmother had a son who was very, very much older than me. God, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I write. Yeah, about that would definitely in, add to it. I write about it. Yeah, the- I was reading. I read this before bed a couple of nights ago, oh. and I was when I was reading through it, I was like, okay, there was definitely some person. Yep. Like it does My sound. Gra- like, I'm like, yeah. who is this? Was it like an ex boyfriend, an ex whatever, or or no. something? No, it was that's a like. Oh yeah, that's even worse. That's like ugh, that gets me so like angry. This like, I know was... I'm not really showing you, and I guess it's part of, like, my masking that apparently is what I do, but, um... I was young. That... How old were you? 13. With that? 13, 14, 15. Oh, my God. So, that shaped the way I saw my teens. Yeah, I'm, like, late reading to this right now. Um, There's a few pieces that I... that talk about it. I actually don't speak about it in Bloom. Bloom is my second publication. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of mad that I didn't read it. I like, I can't, my mindset was, I was like, okay, I'm going to put this with the giveaway so I don't lose it. Because I was like, <laughs> well, I don't we'll want to be losing this one. stuff. We'll have to yeah. send you one. Don't you worry. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, Agos <laughs> was me getting my mental illness and my health off my chest so that family and friends could understand what I've been carrying, what has been on my yeah, shoulders. Yeah, you literally for were carrying. I was just going to say that, like, as, as you know, I'm, I have that as well, plus with bipolar. And um, I was starting to have these moments when I was, like, 13 years old. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is that they were always triggered. It was triggered by some type of breakup. Yep. And I had, like, my biggest one. I had a breakup when I was, I think, 16 and a half. Mm -hmm. And I was a person for about a year. And then once that person started dating somebody new, forget it. That's when it went... I, I, I went to a whole other, yeah. Yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, yes. And that's when I had to go and I got diagnosed with, uh, yeah. well, they diagnosed me bipolar. Yeah. And uh, they were like, oh, we think you may or may have not, may have BPD. Like, and it was kind of like yeah. a, he- it was so long ago. It was like mm-hmm. 11 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But um, when you said 2020 and right now we're, we're about to be 2024, every time I think of 2020, I think, oh, that wasn't that long ago. I think it's because this pandemic has like a And that time was during the a... pandemic. That was right in the midst of it. Yeah. So it was bad. It was bad definitely time. just, yeah. Like, I just feel like everything was building up throughout your whole life. And then it just, it just all happened at once. Like mine was kind of a little bit more spread out throughout my high school years. And that's, that's kind of how my life goes. I don't have unfortunate things happen spread out through my life. It all comes in, in waves. It, it's, oh, every, yeah. it's one big load and then we're fine for a while. And then one big load. Again. Are you very like self-aware? Yeah. Too self-aware. Yeah, no, me too. I'm like, it's like, I feel like it's a good and bad thing at the same time. Like it's word, good. Like, so you can word. know. Okay. Yeah. Like some, I'm probably gonna go to an episode or like, yeah. I'm not acting proper. And then bad. It's like, oh, 
I'm going to an Ipsana. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you got that right. And then do you, oh God. And it's like this morning I uh, saw um, this girl I follow and I actually had her on the podcast. Her name is Tiara. I found her on TikTok. And um, she posted a video this morning and it was kind of like when you have a BPD brain, when you're waking up and then the audio was like, fuck you, fuck off this. Yeah. And I was like laughing so hard. I'm like, that yeah. is so me. Like, do you just like feel like, 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 how are mornings for you? I'm very curious. How are mornings for you? They just feel like a normal morning and a, nor- a normal morning for me would be wake up, probably unrested somewhat, go to my, <laughs> go to my meds, go with my coffee and slowly wake up. I don't have um inner turmoil in the mornings if anything it's at night i well i'm just like really like i mean it's normal for people to be cranky in the morning like i know that's but i'm like if you literally talk to me i would be the meanest person ever and i then i feel horrible after i would literally be like don't talk to me like i would literally get someone's face and i used to be like that when i was younger but then i got older and i'm like i don't need to be a bitch right now yeah it's just my when i wake up my i think i think it's because the cortisol levels are really high but it just feels like mornings are just so dreadful for me. I, I like I sleep really late, which is not good either. I slept like I think like eleven hours last night. Like it's bad. Like yeah. Oh, wow. Or well, I don't sleep throughout those all those hours. Like I yeah. do. I think I set like I'll set my alarm at a decent hour, let's say eight thirty, but I'll be like tossing and turning to like ten thirty or something like that. Okay. Okay. But. But it also could be part of my fault, not my fault, but like I have a very flexible life, which is not good too, because I need to discipline myself. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe if I like actually have to show up somewhere in the morning, then I'll be more likely to. Having routine is a big thing. And I think <sighs> for people, especially with borderline, it's very, very important because we know what's coming next. It's the predictable. We've got control True, over it. Yeah. We know. At least for me, that's my life. Totally. Yeah. What What would you say is like your morning routine? Well, it, it switches depend depending on what household I'm at. If I'm at home here at Nana's, you know, like what I just explained, roll out of bed, go make my coffee, make my meds. I usually don't have breakfast because I binge eat. I'm smoking weed in the mm-hmm. nighttime, and then I mm-hmm. get really hungry, and then I'm mm-hmm. super full in the morning, so I don't usually eat breakfast. I'm the same way. Is that like a thing that we shouldn't be doing? what i think sometimes i mean um, having a i mean snack, it's probably not healthy for us to be eating a lot anyway no it's not healthy especially before <laughs> bed because it just sits in the stump in our stomach mm. and then oh, the next morning but mm. back to my routine here um yeah i don't have breakfast i meds my coffee and usually i get a call from my grandpa asking where i am what he's doing where he is what he should be doing i should add he's got dementia so it usually starts with talking to my grandpa. Um, yeah. Some mornings I do have the luxury of chilling, of stretching my feet out and relaxing mm-hmm. with my cat, Rosie. Other mornings it's get up, go see grandpa, go give grandpa a shower, go take grandpa for an appointment. Life's very unpredictable for me and that's really, really hard for me. Yeah. Uh, life was predictable until grandpa got sick in, in June of 21. Life I'm was sorry very, about that. Life was very predictable. And everything is now one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm not in a recovery journey from addiction, but one day at a time is my motto. It's one day at a time with dementia. No day is the same. Every day is different. And it's yeah. the same thing with what we live with. Every goddamn day is different. You take it one day at a time. And days like yesterday, when we got very, very, 
bad, heavy cancer results. I took it not one day. I took it one hour because that's all I could do. No, I don't blame you. That's a that's a lot. You did take it by by the hour. It's a bad, really. I'm like really bad at responding to this, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Can, it's yeah. it's it's a heavy load for someone that's in their twenties. Um, I should mention I am a power of attorney for him. I am his health proxy. I am everything mm-hmm. for him. There's no yeah. one else because of our small family, right? Right. Nana and Grandpa divorced when I was six, and it oh, I didn't know that part. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This all comes down to generational trauma and drinking, and no one stopping it. And that's what yeah. this girl. That's what this girl's doing. You that's are. what I'm doing. Yeah. So they yeah, divorced. No, I... And um. So you had your, you know, you had your episode and then you were diagnosed with BPD and you're taking yep. care of yourself. So when that happened to you, at least for me, like when that happened to me, I didn't automatically go into like, let me get my life together and let me uh, um, be this. Well, also social media wasn't as big as, as it was when I was diagnosed. Yeah. I mean, we had Instagram, but it wasn't like there weren't like influencers and, you know, things talked about on social media. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would, I look at my Facebook, my Facebook memories. I'm like bitching about stuff, I think like 10 years ago, but it wasn't (laughs) like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) no, I seriously look at that. I'm just like, I mean, I was such a different person. Um, But yeah, I, I guess it could also be a different time thing too. I just didn't jump into doing like I didn't become a content creator until 2016 I was what was I in 2016 uh how many years ago was that I was sick I was 16 easy for okay, me you were 16 I'm feeling real old right now um <laughs> yeah you're like five years older than me yeah I mean no, younger sorry you are, younger you were younger older than younger me. so you were literally like you were 20 I'm you like, were 21 you were 21. Okay. So yes, yeah, so I was 21 when I started like doing content creating and it, yeah. and it wasn't for like, it was for fun. Like I was doing like comedy sketches. I was like, yeah. I, I was watching YouTube videos and I thought their videos were funny and cool. Like that was like the whole like DIY era and, and, and morning routines and, yeah. and OOTD, vlogging. vlogging. Yeah. Like that's what the, that time was. And to be honest with yes. you, I really miss those days <laughs> so much. It was just so like Simple. harmless it was just Simple. cute it was fun and now it's like the world TikTok is, is just like some negative and I mean, it depends on which TikTok. i mean like what that you're really you on yeah but i mean i think like when i was like watching youtube stuff around that time because i was watching it like 2016 is when i started but i was watching like stuff in like 2014 yeah okay and it was just like cute and fun mm-hmm. it was kind of like a way to just get away from reality and it was yes but um, TikTok is just now like well, sorry. Now we have TikTok and just the creators on there, like the one, like the OG creators. It's just you were getting like famous off of being like hot or yeah, the dances and yeah. it was just everybody who got big. It was like I don't know, like it. I mean, good for for them. I mean, to be honest with you, I still I do follow. Like I I am I'm a I'm a fan. Charlie Demirly, I think she's adorable. Okay, um, yeah, I know that name. Um, I'm not really great about her Walmart thing that she did, but uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah. Besides that, like I, I mean, I still would, would support her. Like it was people make mistakes, you know well, what I mean? 
So she did fine. the best with the info she had at the time. Yeah. Plus, I knew for a fact it wasn't her that made her do that video. It was probably her social media manager. So, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But um, it was more like it was just a tone deaf TikTok that I was just kind of like rolled my eyes. I'm like, wow, this was horrible marketing. Yeah. But um, anyway, my point, I don't know where I was getting. Oh, I was saying that I loved how carefree and yes, I don't know where I was going with that. So, oh, yeah. So I didn't know if you answered the question, like what? year did you decide oh i want to use social media to reach other people to help others 22 okay so that was 20, like 20, last 22. year yeah okay yep. cool yeah and i yep. feel like you've gotten pretty far like in just one year that's pretty awesome i know i yeah i am this this prairie poet in winnipeg manitoba canada i'm not even in the capital of of canada i'm just in winnipeg and mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I believe in the worth of what I'm saying. You're so passionate, I love that. Thank you. I'm living proof you can change. It doesn't matter what friggin' age you are. Hell, I'm 23. I'm super young. Yeah. But I'm determined to stop and break the generational trauma because I am done. I am not letting any other boy or girl live the life I have lived. No. I can definitely tell, like, you know, what your tone of voice, and I'm very empathetic, so I'm, like, feeling it, even though you can't see it in my face right now. I look like I'm, like, what is that word? Uh, like, poker face. <laughs> okay, it's all good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I I get like this, too, when it comes to, you know, talking about the mental health stigma and getting really passionate, and I love that. And I feel, like, let's transition to, like, angel numbers. Yes, like, I I've been really into that the last couple of years. Yes, so about manifestations, affirmations, mm-hmm. energy, gratitude, journaling, all of it. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. Yeah. You know, it's, I've heard uh, from one of my guests, um, she told me, she when I was talking to her about this, she said she didn't believe in affirmations. And I was like, okay, why? But she said the reasons because so she has a lot of knowledge on like, I think she has like a master's or whatever on like the brain or and such. So, yeah. um, so she said that when you're saying words out loud, your subconscious can't understand English and needs to see something virtual. So if you're saying like, if you're trying to say like, Oh, I'm rich or just like yeah. saying like those, your subconscious is not going to truly believe it because it doesn't have anything to Based prove. Yes. To, yes. So that's what she said. So I guess it was more than like, oh, it's not like I don't believe in it. It's just that she doesn't believe how people are using it. And it um, it comes with a deep belief, a deep seated belief in yourself first. True. And um, yeah, so now it's like, okay, if I'm going to say I'm rich, I look at my big account while I'm saying it or something like that. Like, I, it's another thing. I mean, that's when the journaling comes in too. It's like at the end of the day, you write down what you did for the day and then it will connect to your affirmation. It's like, okay, like I, reached out to mentally a badass to be on their podcast my yeah. i'm gonna reach a bigger on like you know like it's connecting it and i'm like when I mean, she told me that and i had that conversation with her which by yeah. the way I recommend listening it's a really freaking good episode um i was like my mind was blown i'm like that is so yeah. true i didn't even it's a think different that. perspective for sure yeah yeah no she's she's amazing and she does um She's like, she does really well. She posts like YouTube like every single day. And it's like her main thing is attachment theory. Oh, yes. That's like her main thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you say 
This is kind of like more like a therapist kind of question to you, but yeah. like, what is what would you say is your attachment theory? Like your attachment style. Sorry, attachment style, not theory. <laughs> Do you know you the four have, four of them? You, you, please remind me because I've gone through this with my therapist actually. Yeah, no, my mind asked me the same question too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please um, do a Google search. <laughs> yeah, I like, I know because because one is one is anxious. Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, there's anxious avoidant. Um... Anxious avoidant. Um, hold on, attachment styles. God, I've done no, so I do many not tests. want to sign in. So okay, sorry. Secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. Avoidant. Okay. Oh, really? So, because anxious and avoid are kind of like opposites in a way. I'm fascinated with your uh, uh, change. I want to know your thought process. Like I said, life hit rock bottom. I looked at myself and my life Mm -hmm. and everything I wanted, everything I've done, everything I haven't done. And I said, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your neural pathways are flexible. It's like your brain is moldable. It's plasticine, basically. Can you mm-hmm. teach it new things? Mm-hmm. And I shifted the way I saw things, mm-hmm. and that did include the way I saw my parents. Again, I don't know if this is answering your question directly. So the reason I asked that is because when I said anxious, you automatically were like, "Yeah, that's it." But then when I said avoidant, it's kind of because anxious, I, like I think, is it. more. It's like you need to be more attached to your significant other, and then avoidant is like. Yeah, I'm pulling them up here. <laughs> Just because I'm. I, I think my mind used to be anxious, but mine's more like uh, secure now. That's because what, my my boyfriend literally moved across the country from me, so I think I'm pretty secure. Uh yeah, <laughs> completely. No, I'm, I'm just looking at this as we talk. I just searched up. Um, oh yeah, the attachment styles here. Yeah, no, we talked about this a long time ago. That's why I sound kind of clueless on it. But we have we have spoke about this. I know we have. Completely. It's cool stuff. It's very interesting. And yeah. it answers a lot. I, you know what's crazy is that for my undergrad, for college, I uh, have a degree in psychology. And I was like, oh. how do I not remember any of this, like the attachment theory? Like, I don't know. Maybe I guess I didn't learn it. Maybe you learned about it in like your master's or something. Here's a question I'm going to ask the podcast interviewer now. What did they teach you about borderline, if anything? What did what did they teach? I'm sorry, Catherine. Yeah. yeah. So my my question is, what was your conception of borderline when you were learning about it? Was it stigmatized? Oh. Was it incorrect information? Was it even talked about? Well, in high school, no, like not at all. Like I was diagnosed with a uh, BPD when I was like 17. So I was like pretty much close to exiting high school, mm-hmm. but he didn't mention much. He said more. He was focusing more on the bipolar. Like, that was his priority mm-hmm. because he said, okay, you definitely have bipolar and you may or may not have BPD. It was kind of like a little hesitant. But then I looked later on, like, not that long ago, like Googling, yeah. and apparently a lot of psychiatrists don't avoid doing a diagnosis when they're teenagers because it's a little harder. And it makes yeah. sense because of the hormones and everything they, like that. They don't want to diagnose you with a mood or personality disorder till you're 18. That's why I got it when I was 20. Maybe I, maybe I was, I was 17, I know that, so maybe it was just close yeah. enough for him, but I yeah. also, like, was, like, cutting myself, and I was kind of, like, yeah. going, and, and apparently, I guess my story was, like, okay, yeah, right away, oh, yeah, you have a, this, you have bipolar, like, he was so, like, close to it, and then, I'm oh, sorry, he was very, like, yeah, definitely, 100%, like, he wasn't mm-hmm. hesitant, but he was just hesitant with BPD, 
And I guess like with the BPD, well, with the BPD, um, it was crazy is that I've been to other psychiatrists over the years. Yep. And um, one person, one psychiatrist in college was like, oh, no, I don't think you have bipolar. I think you just have ADHD, anxiety, and depression. I was like, okay. And then um, I was died, and then I was came here to Florida. I was in, I lived oh. in New Jersey for 22 years, moved okay. to Florida. And then I've seen that like, where you were other born? people. I'm sorry? Is that where you were born, New Jersey? Yeah, New Jersey. Cool. Okay. Joyce. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was born and raised in New Jersey, and then okay. I moved – to Florida when I started working for Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I started seeing like, you know, a psychiatrist and a therapist then. And then I did mention, oh yeah, I was previously diagnosed with this, mm-hmm. but they still gave me kind of like a questionnaire test thing. And yeah. they're like, oh yeah, we, you, you have it. And then like the other, like it was just one psychiatrist. I believe I didn't have it out yeah. of the four that I've seen my whole life. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, probability wise, but who knows? Like maybe my symptoms weren't showing, I guess, as much. That can always yeah. be a possibility because I, the main thing that, you know, have your symptoms flare is stress. So yep. think about like where you were at that point of your life. You were under a lot of stress at that time. Yep. And that's where everything yep. just kind of like, went off the rails and such and it took control it completely enveloped me yeah yeah so that yeah the main thing is stress so right now for me i'm not on medic i used to be on medication i was on medication when i turned 17 they just automatically put me on it Mm. i didn't know much about it so i didn't i was just like okay whatever the doctor says right but now i'm very opinionated in my in my uh meetings and stuff because i know a lot more yep right and so um he put me on abilify and mm-hmm. it was doing good. Like I was like feeling more stable and more chill and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then silly me who didn't know much was like, oh, I'm feeling better. And then went off Oh, of it. course you did. And you're like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah when I see these things, I was like, yep, I did that. And yep. then um, and then college came around. And yep. I was good for two years, actually. Okay. For a good two years of college, I was great. I think it's you- because – I'm sorry? How did you manage your BPD in college without medication for two years? Um, so I was really big at the gym for those years. Okay. I was like literally like two hours in the gym, like almost every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. I had I was in a stable relationship. Yeah. Um, so we had a good relationship and I was doing really good in school. I was good. And I also was taken from an environment where people were like bitches and like mm-hmm. bullying and such. So mm-hmm. in college, there's not really like at least a community college for the first two years I went to community. Okay. So for the yeah. first two years, I went to community and people there are really just there to learn. They're not really yeah. there for much socialization and sororities and club. Like, yeah. you know, like, I mean, they obviously have clubs and stuff, but totally people go there to learn because, yes. yeah. So, and a lot of people in like four years can be there just, oh, your parents made you or something. Like, that's, yeah. So I'm going to get to that. But for those two years, I was able to focus a lot on my studies. Yep. And then, so I did really well. And then I had a good boyfriend. So I was, good. I was good. And then I was working out and he would work out. And then mm-hmm. I also was making pretty good money for an 18 year old. Um, okay. I was working, well, actually, no, the first two years I worked at a restaurant. Okay. And then um, after the restaurant business, I worked at a bank. And mm-hmm. I worked at TD Bank. You may know it. TD is my bank. Yeah, it's my bank too. TD Bank? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know it originated from Canada, so. Um, But yeah, so um, I worked at TD Bank as a teller, and Mm -hmm. I was making pretty good money for, like, someone who's, like, 19 years old. So Uh, my finances were pretty fine. Everything in my life was pretty good. It was was stable. You could thrive at at that point. Yeah, and at the time, um, 
I, for New Jersey, like if you could get your, like you can do as like a file to get individual for health insurance. And then even though I still was with my parents at the time, I was only like 18, 19, I was like 19 years old. This was 19 years old. My parents were like, oh, get off our insurance and go apply for state insurance. And I was like, wow, you're kicking me out. And they were like, no, do it. And then what I did, they gave me free health insurance because the state saw me as poor Okay. because of my income. I wasn't working like part time, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was in college and I was working part time. So okay. they look at my, all they look at is your income. And they're like, oh, wow, she's only making like $10,000 a year. She's, so, yeah. she's, she's poverty. Yeah. So they gave me free health insurance. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So like, I didn't have to worry about health insurance. Yeah. Everything was free. Like, that's yeah. great. Like the amount of like no stress. So yeah, yeah for those two years, I was great. And then I also took that time to build a lot of, like, I did a lot of healing then. I was very confident because I was in a good relationship. And, um, you know, he made me feel worthy. And then he, Mm. you know, he was just great for me. And then um, and then we went to the same four-year college. I actually Mm -hmm. met him in in my two-year college. And we went to the same four-year college together. And um, that's when the stress kind of came back for mm-hmm. one, um, college obviously got a little bit harder. Yeah. Two, um, I was rooming with people who were horrible to me, like abusive, like verbally oh. abusive. Like that's a, that could be a whole other story. That could be a whole oh. other podcast episode. I actually wrote an article about it if you want to see it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that was a lot of stress. And then, you know, I wasn't, I was living with them, but I, it was getting really hard with mental health. So I moved yeah. in with my boyfriend and his mm-hmm. apartment thing and it was getting mm-hmm. too close together yeah. like the room mm-hmm. was not big like yes so we're of course bickering and naturally mm-hmm. so um we we're doing a lot of fighting and there was a time we know we almost broke up and then you know obviously didn't and then that's when i got into the college program disney college program junior year of college and then i went away to do that so i was away for three months away for yeah. a semester of college and then he during that time he met somebody else <laughs> um so we broke up and then I went off the rails again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that was like one time I went off the rails. And then I came back senior year of college. And that's when I was told a second psychiatrist. Okay. Okay. Um. So that was the next time I went off the rails. And then. um. So you'd be 24 th- by this point, probably. 25. Oh, no. I was 20. I was 21. Oh, so I was diagnosed when I was 17. I was 21. So I was diagnosed when I was 17. Yeah. I was good for like a couple of years. And then 21. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then um, after – this is actually really interesting. I'm not used to the guests asking me questions about me. <laughs> but um, I would say the next time I went off the rails was um, when I moved out of my parents' house, like, officially. And yeah, got an apartment yeah. um, in Orlando, worked for Disney. And I wasn't getting paid a lot. But I expected mm-hmm. it because, you know, you're just starting out and such. Yeah. Um, and then I had some stress for roommates at that time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually went into ER from a panic attack. And then I went back to therapy when I got better health insurance. Because in Florida, so like in Florida, I did the same thing. I applied for the same health insurance in Florida, thinking mm-hmm. it worked the same way. But yeah. it doesn't. You know, the United States is not really united. And um, no. when I applied for the same insurance, they denied me. And I was oh. like, but my income is like the same. And like, yeah. it's not that great. My income's horrible. It's mm-hmm. like in poverty line pretty much. Yeah. And then they were like, well, you're not, you don't have a kid. That's literally what they said. They're like, because you don't have a kid. We can't give you health insurance because you don't have a child. How the hell does that work? Well, they can't give me like 
affordable health insurance. Yeah, it was I was pretty pissed. Yeah. So um actually no, I'm gonna say it was it just wasn't free. It was more like it wasn't free, but um I remember my mom really wanted like was pushing me to get health insurance because yeah. as soon as I got to Florida and she was like so I was like stressed out and I just kinda got whatever and ended yeah. up being like the worst health insurance ever. Like I ended up in the ER for that panic attack and they didn't really cover anything. Like it was horrible. Yeah. Oh. So from there and then I but then after that year because mm-hmm. I was doing internships with Disney so when you mm-hmm. have an internship with Disney you don't get health insurance so once I was hired oh. on full time well it makes sense though because you're an intern they yes. okay okay uh, maybe it's a U.S. thing but like employers only are obligated to give full-time employees health insurance and so if you're part-time yeah, so if you're an intern, you're really you're not really a employee that they're investing in long term. You're pretty much like, okay, you're here for three months. Like, we're not yeah. going to give you health insurance. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's fine. Like, I wasn't mad about that. Like, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but once I was hired on full time, um, then I was able to get Disney health insurance, and then that's when I went back to therapy and now, psychiatry. You're not, you're not working for them right now, are you? No, no, I, no, I no, left. No, no, no. Yeah, I left working for them 2022, and I, I work okay. for myself. Yeah, yeah, you were saying um, that, yeah. So now now I have health insurance with the state. Good. And uh, my, my income's not poverty line anymore. I'm making more money now, obviously. But um, it's an low enough for me to still get a little bit of a govern- like government like tax credit. Yeah, yeah, which I, is I nice. get that too. I get that too. Yeah, 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 which is great because like if I didn't have any of that, I would have been paying like four hundred dollars a month yeah, for right? health insurance, and it's like not even good. That great. Like I literally oh. have a doctor's appointment on Monday, and my copay is eighty five dollars. Wow. Yeah, but it's a specialist because I have glaucoma, okay. so it's like this is like a Do specialist. You? But yeah, I'm a right eye, one eye. Oh, I didn't Thank know God. that. Yeah, I didn't well, know that. I don't really talk about it that much on Mentally Best. It's not really like mental health. But um, yeah, no, that's another – that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, but that completely <laughs> contributes to the way you see yourself, the way others yeah. see you, the way you perceive. Like it's it's very valid. Wow. Yeah, no, I uh, I should talk more about that with my therapist. Because, no, at one point, um, like about a c- couple of weeks ago, I was like mm-hmm. my medication, I was getting allergic to it. And I was getting oh. like a lot of red eye. I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. Um, and then I was like, even like talking about because my um, my eye doctor was more focused on keeping the pressure down. He didn't really care too much about yep. the cosmetic look. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I'm just like, I'm a young woman on social media. Like, I'm sorry to sound like vain, but no, it makes I sense. Care. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't have a red eye, and uh, yeah. So and plus, I just don't like looking at myself. I told my therapist, I was like, I don't really like looking at myself in the mirror. I literally sometimes brush my teeth in the dark. Like it's so sad saying I was like <laughs> No, it's a it's it's it is a part of your story and I think you should be able to talk about it because Yeah. I should have a whole I, episode and be like, new trauma, let's go. No, I mean I too have I am healthy, but I do have um women health issues. Um and it's not great. And it does mm-hmm. contribute to my mental health. I write a piece about it actually in Bloom, my second publication, and it's called mm-hmm. Cervical Dysplasia. It's a part of my story. Mm-hmm. And and your health issue is a part of your story too. It is. It's very valid. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you follow her. There was a one person actually I was on her podcast and she interviewed me about it. She focuses yeah. a lot on like autoimmune disease disorders, okay. um, okay. as well as like mental health. Mm-hmm. And so we have like I told my whole story on there about like my whole glaucoma. Like I've had eye issues since I was born. 
That's like from birth. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and you know what? You are allowed to play victim for five minutes and say, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, but sometimes I try to just like focus on my left eye. That's good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, okay, I got one eye leaves. Like, I, yes. there's people out there when they get glaucoma, they get in like both eyes. Like, that's like my the grandma worst thing. has it in one eye too, and she does eye drops. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. Then you should probably, because it's hereditary. You probably gotta keep checking your eyes just in case. I, I get my eye pressure checked because it's a little bit high. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it was like a grand great grandfather, I think, or something someone i never even met had it yeah. in my family oh, or something man. like that yeah but anyway i'm gonna like to change the subject because i'm just gonna get depressed but uh to digress <laughs> and also we're already like 50 minutes in girl wow oh. that was that was fast well i mean we took like five minutes to start but That's yeah true. so let's Should talk I- about what what you do i mean you were kind of already told us like your uh your uh, routine and such and taking it easy and so your treatment plan essentially would you say like medication and like what else would you say that you could like what you do to help cope with your bpd symptoms yeah so we'll start first by my writing poetry Mm -hmm. it is my way of processing um looking at my situation without those you know rose-colored lens and that disassociated film be able to look at it objectively see it process it and put it back on that shelf as i said um, so mm-hmm. poetry is number one. Two, yes, medication's a big thing. I have been on the medication journey since I was uh, fifteen, and I have tried. Oh, really? Over, yeah, I've tried over twelve medications. Um, so, sorry, can I just back up real quick? Yeah. So, you fifteen, you were on medication, but you were diagnosed with BPD. Yeah, when I was twenty. So, obviously, back when I was dealing with anxiety and depression. Okay. Yeah, I think we kind of kept that out of your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was dealing with that at the time. Okay. And I needed medication, so I was very forthcoming with my pediatrician at the time. Mm-hmm. No stigma at all. And my nano was mm-hmm. involved with my health journey as well at that point. We started medication. We would try them, didn't work. Try them, didn't work. One works. Then it's time to get off it and try another one. There, there was a lot of trial and error, but yeah. now I'm at a place where my medication is good. I am on three different medications, and... Uh, Another three or four supplements, but that's just to keep me well, you know, like biotin yeah. and vitamin D, C. But yeah, no, yeah. so I do take three medications. Um, medication is not the only thing that gets me through this and then will get you through this. It's just one one part of it. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to pull out your inner child, talk mm-hmm. to him or her, feel mm-hmm. her, and integrate them with you. That's a big part of BPD. And that comes with therapy, talk therapy. Mm-hmm. In addition, doing d in addition doing dbt dialectical behavioral therapy how does that work i've never i've heard of it but i've never like done it it was helpful when i was in the midst of my using a lot of weed Mm -hmm. um i needed to do something about it so i got on a wait list for this program called cody c-o-d-i through the health science center here in winnipeg cody c-o-d-i co-occurring disorders it, it was addiction, addiction with co-occurring disorders. So, uh, okay. yeah, so we were using DBT through the lens of helping addiction and cutting back and, and quitting or stopping. Mm-hmm. So DBT really, really helped me. Um, 
I'll tell you why. It is sectioned into four categories. We've got distress tolerance, emotional regulation, uh, mindfulness, and interpersonal relationships. Those are four different ones. I didn't repeat anything, right? No. Good. Good. (laughs) Pea brain. Sorry about that. Um, So yeah, there's four different categories and they all, I would say those are the four main categories that people with this psychiatric disorder need to work on. One, mindfulness, being present, being in your body, feeling what it's doing with no judgment, Mm -hmm. being aware of your surroundings, feeling your emotions. One, two, distress tolerance, learning how to sit with these heavy, passionate, enveloping feelings without letting our void take over, take Mm -hmm. over in the means of spending, sex, uh, gambling, whatever it be, whatever it is. Yeah. Distress tolerance, learning your um, sustainable, stable coping mechanisms. Three, um, what was it? Emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. That's, I don't remember a ton for that. For that unit, I do have the book still, but it was learning, learning things like respond, not react. That is a big thing with emotional regulation. Oh, if, if you're yeah. reacting, you're you're way up here. You're you're mad. Yeah. You're, if you're responding. You're putting a ceiling on that rage. That that was mm-hmm. just one example. So there's that, and then what I ended uh, interpersonal relationships, learning what you need, what in, learning what the other person needs, learning sometimes in a relationship it's going to be this. You, mm-hmm. know, you have to hold them in a hard space. They have to hold you in a hard space. Mm-hmm. Setting boundaries. Yeah, boundaries is really big with me. Saying and I'm a big boundary oh. girl. <laughs> saying no. Learning to say no and putting mm-hmm. your needs first, no matter yeah. how hard that is. And that's something I still struggle with, actually. I wrote a piece about it in Bloom, my second publication, mm-hmm. called Boundaries mm-hmm. Are Healthy. Yeah, I'm like a – I used to have zero boundaries, like, when I was younger. Yep. Like, zero boundaries. And now I'm just like – and it's crazy that when you do set those boundaries and people think you're like a bitch. Yeah, no, And it's – you know what? They're going to have to set set them one day themselves, and they're going to understand how hard it is. And here's crazy is, like, you know, the, we know the – best piece of advice I ever received like in my life when I was younger when like you know bad stuff would happen to me yeah. was my course teacher said when you're in high school you're in a fishbowl once you graduate you're in the ocean yep and that meant so much because when you're in high school and you're just like that's kind of like your little society and there's not as many people there than it is around the whole world and then yes. when you graduate and go off to college or go off moving to a different state or yeah. whatever even a different country yeah. you realize like oh my god like my 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 core teacher was right like i'm literally in the ocean now and meeting other people yeah. and you know when you're in when you're in high school you f- and you're having like you know emotional or this and that People just thought I was, like, annoying or whatever. But it was just, I'm not, I'm not, I, I just didn't meet the right people. And that's just, I just, it's just like I wasn't meant for living there. So a big reason I moved to Florida was when I was working for Disney and I met people from, like, all over the world. And we all had, like, different mindsets and views. And it was just so refreshing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, people are actually nice here. <laughs> yes. Like, it's kind of sad that I'm thinking about this when I lived in New Jersey. That anytime someone was nice, it's like there's an agenda or someone's two faced. Like, that was so the norm. 
Like, like and when then, are they going to turn on me? When are they going to stab my back? Yeah, I, I, I mean, a lot of that. I'm not going to say everybody was like that. Of course, I have still some really good friends, um, yeah. a couple. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of just how people are in mm-hmm. that state. And and then when I come to Disney and I'm like, wow, people are actually being nice to me. And it's like real. And mm-hmm. that's nothing I had to like heal f- from is like if someone like not if like you if someone's nice to me, it doesn't mean they're going to like talk shit about me later. Because yeah. when I was bullied through my biggest bullying moments were bu- being bullied moments are third yeah. to fifth grade. Mm-hmm. I've had like everybody hated me. Everyone was always talking shit about me like all the time. Like I literally come home like crying. Like, I had to leave the school because that's how bad the bullying was. I had to switch yeah. schools. I did too in grade eight. Yeah. And then when I went to the new school in fifth grade, we were in like recess time or whatever. And there was like these three people just like in the corner just talking, just really just hanging out like snack time. But yeah. in my head, I was like, oh, they're talking shit about me. Like, I will never forget that thought I had in the gymnasium. And I still Mm -hmm. can visualize it and remember how exactly it looked. I just, and I just showed right there, I kind of like developed a little bit of PTSD where I'm Mm -hmm. just like, and it's like at the time, I didn't know that. Yeah. What PTSD was. Yes. At the time, PTSD, we think war, this and Mm -hmm. that. Car car crash. Car crash, right? We didn't think about all the bullying that we went through. Is it's it's like super us. it shapes us and especially happening it, it happening during those critical years of your life yes when yes. you're developing your sense of identity mm-hmm. and i really really posted about that about the whole um self-identity because i have sometimes i just have like a whole self-identity crisis I'm like who the heck am i i don't know who the way i am like who am i like i go through a whole like self-identity crisis and i went through one like last month and that's a staple of bpd yeah and yeah. it's like I didn't even it's just like do you ever have any do you ever have a hard time like remembering your childhood? Yes. Yes. I don't remember. Yeah, I can't tell if it's a trauma or if it's just like us getting older and our brains are obviously like you forget things. Well, there were so many good moments and so many shitty moments. It's so many good moments. I keep remembering so many bad moments. It's really bad. Like my mom's like, Why do you only remember this about me? Like I was like, I don't know. Like I remember you like scaring crap out of me every yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh, I don't know but um and it kind of makes me like angry at myself because I'm like why am I only remembering the bad like I'm sure like my child wasn't as bad as I'm really thinking about it right now yeah I don't know that's but also like we didn't have like I kind of wish I was a kid during the social media world so I could have like at least looked back I mean I have photos like there's photos yeah. But it only says so much. Exactly. And like my dad had home films, but they're like in those like cassette things and I can't watch it. So yeah. that's how old I am. Oh, girl. You're not ancient yet. You're okay. <laughs> Love that for us. For listens to us, most likely has BPD or wants to hear your story. So what's yes. the piece of advice? And I've got one. And it actually okay. ties into a piece that I wrote. There we go. Perfect. So my two mottos in life, as we talked about one day at a time, that's really, really important for me as a dementia caregiver. Um, as someone that lives with BPD, that's how I live. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've learned as being an advocate, physically here in Winnipeg, online, meeting people like you and other podcasters and other accounts, we are stronger together. Yeah. We are stronger in numbers as sisters, as brothers, as theys, as thems. We are stronger freaking together. 
The more we talk about this, the more it's not going to be shamed, the more mm-hmm. it'll be okay to live with, and the more mm-hmm. okay it'll, it'll be when someone's in that dark night of the soul to say, I need some help. Yeah. I need, I need some help right now. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this moves perfectly into the piece I wrote, and it is titled Stronger Together, actually. Okay. Um, I wrote it for our community, for the BPD community. Stronger Together, from my second publication, Blue. Writing for you, for us, reinvigorates my purpose and validates my why. It reminds me, I too am not alone, stronger together. I knew it was something like that. I was like, I haven't been to a poetry a, a slam thing poetry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, okay, I know they do like a. I'm like, you're right. It's this. I feel kind of stumped. With stupid. <laughs> No, you're good. <laughs> I had them. Hey, they people who are listening audio, they wouldn't even know that I'm like. <laughs> oh heck, no, they wouldn't know. No, 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 no. That's what I meant to do. Thank you for helping me. I got you, girl. I got you, sis. Got your back. Yeah, no, you're so sweet. That's All fine. right, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for reaching out to me and connecting with us. You are definitely a perfect guest for mentally a badass. Someone who has been through shit. Yes. Comes out strong. Well. I like I'm trying to change my wording because I'm seeing now that some people don't like to be told that oh your trauma made you stronger. Like some people it don't did. like to hear that. It yeah, everyone did. has a different opinion about it. So I like to try to like think of both, if you know what I mean. It um, made me the woman I am today. True. The, yeah, the you're, siren you're tra- I am today. Yeah. It's like your trauma, yeah, made you into the woman you are today with yes. fighting for other people. And yes. that's where I kinda like where I think of like we're all like little like angels and that's why like we have like these angel numbers because we're very um open to it mm-hmm. and it's kind of like uh which actually when we get off this I want you to listen to the song it's called God's Favorite by Nessa Barrett I will yeah yeah I will no, I tell you, I know you would love her and I talk yes. about her on this podcast a lot no I'm, I'm I would listen. love to have her I like I, I try to like post a bunch of TikToks being like having Nessa on my but it didn't really go anywhere but maybe one day I don't no, know you keep pushing you manifest that <laughs> shit I'm serious yeah I, no. I have not gotten where I am without manifestations mm-hmm. I made a, a, yeah. t- you know, a real and it was affirmations that started my career I oh. am a best-selling author mm-hmm. I am selling books abundantly look at your Etsy sales while you say that yes and look at I your follower a, growth as you say that <laughs> i am a successful self-published author Slay. on etsy and in bookstores and she's doing it six book signings later at 23 years of age that is really cool i'll go to your you. book signing that required me thank to fly you. to canada yeah. all right well thank you for coming on and thanks for everyone who's listening i will put the link to her books in the podcast description go ahead and buy her books it will make you uh, cry like it made me cry in a good way yes in a good way not a bad way and again thank you guys for listening to this episode and stay tuned for the next episode of mentally a badass